0: Are ready. Hello and welcome to yet another exciting edition of Offside Musings podcast. I'm delighted to welcome you uh, on behalf of my co-host Emeka Onyagwa. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at about three issues or four. Um, first of all, we'll look at uh, revisit a little bit uh, our last podcast on um, Peter Obi and um, sort of talk about the kinds of reactions we've got uh, from that podcast. Uh, we're also going to look at um, issues in the People's Democratic Party (PDP), uh, especially related to. Uh, Atiku's choice of Governor Ifani Okowa as his vice presidential candidate. Apparently, that does not sit well with some members of the party. We're also going to look at the legal troubles of former Deputy Senate President uh, Ike Ekweremado, who is currently being held in the UK along with his wife on accusations of attempted harvesting of the organ of a young man. And finally, if uh, time permits, uh, we're also going to look at the recent resignation of Nigeria's Chief Justice, Tanko Mohammed. You're welcome to today's uh, show. You're welcome. To today's show i think yeah it was a bit of a nightmare with um a little technical glitch but we were, we were able to uh to resolve it somewhat
1: yeah yeah pretty much pretty much uh i mean it was it was actually pretty good um just the, the audio part so um but but yeah, I mean you've you've laid out um three things which essentially um rocked into um rocked into um the Nigerian um
0: the current s- scene, cur- as it were. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um I d I I know that you um heard from some people about um
1: what we did on on uh, our podcast on Peter, we OB. had we had so many comments. Yes, the last two. In fact, I think the two most commented we've had are Peter L B and Tinubu. Yes, uh, we had dozens of comments on different platforms. Oh, sorry, and the third one was Um ask to Strike. Yes, ask to so those were the three most commented.
0: Yes, um, yeah. So even as I as I came here, I uh, I I was speaking with. Um, you know, a major political figure in Nigeria. And um, his reaction is that 80% of the uh, enthusiasm around Pitobi is based on social media. And so he said that when it comes to the ground game that is ultimately going, and that, you know, his argument is that the ground game is where elections happen in Nigeria. And um, his contention is that in the end it's going to be between the PDP and the APC and that P2B will just fizzle out as as an internet sensation, as a kind of um, a fleeting phenomenon. Um, You know, I don't know what you think about that, but I, in my mind I'm saying not so fast, okay? Okay. Typically, that's how things will play out. But I think that uh, in the current situation in Nigeria, that Nigerians have come to a point of realization that politics, as it's played by the two major political parties, the PDP and the APC, uh, has led the country to perdition and to tragedy and to disaster. And so I think that there is um, a real hunger and passion and desire and energy to move the country in a different direction. And as I said in my column, I'm not claiming that Peter b is going to win. I don't know that yet. I have to watch what happens over the next few months. At any rate, I expect the two political parties, the APC and the PDP, to come after Obi in a big way? Uh, is he going to survive that tsunami of attack uh, from the two parties? Uh, it remains, all of this remains to be seen, right? Uh, but I think that there is, on the part of young people in Nigeria, a real desire to move the, the country and the, conversa- the political conversation Beyond the PDP
1: and the APC binary, yeah, I think I think anybody, you know, I, I get what you know. I'm not even going to ask you which region was that um, um, political actor you, you spoke yeah, with. He actually <laughs> happens to be Ebo. <laughs> you said it yourself, so you know, I think I think 100 there is a there is an expectation by certain by certain quarters where um, people. People 100% believe, you know, it's internet sensation, it's sensationalism, that Peter L.B. can make some noise and maybe get a political position as a um, minister for power and steel. So, you know, what whatever it might be, not to knock anybody that is there. Um, but I don't, we don't, it doesn't feel mm-hmm. being, talking with people. I've spoken with a lot of people, people have... Um, uh, I've reached out, people have, 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 you know, all platforms. It doesn't feel like people are in this to get crumbs, mm-hmm. to get um, police checkpoints not existing. No. It feels like people are in this for some level of change, mm-hmm. for some level of leadership, for some level of, um, call as you will, politi- uh, political or societal Fatherhood, it you know, and you'd see it all all around, and people want to you know deny it. But I I feel at the same time, it's a case of you are not going to believe it till it happens. Mm-hmm. So, like we said last time, um, or like I said last time as well, I think Peter L B is in between an Obama of two thousand and seven, which essentially is a Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. movement, and an Obama that gets elected. That's the first stage. You have to get elected. The next stage is you have to achieve. Um, that's a different conversation. Did Obama achieve as much as, say, an FDR? An FDR achieved quite a bit. Um, although his his press, he didn't achieve any more any more when he talked about court parking. But I and everybody needs to bear with me. I like using analogies. Um, all due respects, you know. I guess some people. I I I, I like to because I don't believe when you. I, I believe. I'm a history person, so um when you look into history, when you look into things, you will always tend to see some level of analogy, whether it's recent history or past history, so I do that quite often um to try and make people understand where things might be um I don't know either if Viby is going to win mm-hmm. I don't know who is going to I've seen all kinds of predictions about who is going to win, and I personally said if it if it comes down to it's a, an article and a Tinubu. I think article wins. Uh, yeah, you
0: know. um, And we're gonna get to um, to the to those two candidates in a bit, but to stay with Peter B uh, for a moment, uh, one of the um, uh, you know a different uh, response that I got to the podcast of last week and the accompanying column. Was that Peter Obi's inability to get a major northern political uh, uh, politician, political figure, to agree to be on the ticket with him as vice presidential candidate is uh, is a big um, sort of um, deficit for B. and um, so I actually was thinking of a candidate like a uh, former military governor of Kaduna State, um, um, Dangiwa Omar, Colonel Abubakou Omar, Dangewa mm-hmm. Omar. And this person's argument was that even though again, Abubakar Omar um, has a kind of national profile in the country because he's spoken with uh, moral clarity uh, in the past, and he's been critical of uh, different governments in the country without regard to the ethnic makeup of the person at the hem of the government. Um, so he's seen as a true Nigerian. But this person was arguing that uh, somebody like Abubakar Ma doesn't have, doesn't bring much of. Um, Electoral leverage to a ticket uh, in the same way that a Kwan Kwazo, for example, might. And of course, um, we know from political reporter uh, reporting that uh, apparently Peter B had made a pitch to Kwan Kwazo to be his uh, vice presidential candidate. And Kwan Kwazo's um, response was no and uh some people actually uh suggested some reports suggested that Juan Cuazo feels that he is politically superior to Peter B so that it would be absurd for him to uh to run as Peter B's um VP. Another question um that attaches to this Whole Quazzo, uh, um scenario is that Quangozo, in his own right, is a very is is, is known to be, um, you know, politically. Um, how do I put it? That he wants to have a kind of political presence and capital, and that the vice presidency is best. Uh, taken and occupied by somebody who is a bit retiring in personality and who is willing to defer to the president. Otherwise, it would seem as if it is not so much a vice president as a co president. And therefore, that if even if Kwam agreed to uh, become Peter O'Bee's uh, uh, vice presidential candidate and uh, in the event that their ticket wins, that there will be all kinds of almost daily, at any rate, regular clashes of personality between the two of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's one way to... I mean, if, if we're looking at it from a logical perspective, that's one problem. Quan you know, Koso is the guy who won the, won the governorship of Kano, then lost to... Uh, then came back and won again. So he's he's somebody who is not short on on confidence, politically. Um, and if you can do that in Kano or Kaduna, most as, anywhere in northern Nigeria, if you could do that, it's Kano is number one, followed by Kaduna, if you could do that there, um, you'll be supremely confident because that's where a lot of things transpire. Kano has the axis of pulling places like Jigawa, um, uh, Katsina, um you know, other places and most of the North Central, even Niger to some degree and Cardinal. So he's, he's a supremely confident guy. Um, that would make sense. Another thing I'd heard was that um, somebody like Kwan again, I was speaking to somebody who is, you know, probably one step removed from him or maybe two. I, I'm not too sure. At least that's what he claimed. But, and I, I also believe what he said. Um, somebody like Kwan might, might be sold, might. And, and, and that I'll tell say the reason later on why I put the word might might be sold on on a distant that he on a picture. Mm-hmm. Rather that it would be hard for him to go back electorally in eight years time to be the president if he has been a vice president to um a Peter will be from an Igbo. An Igbo man if he helps elect an Igbo man and, and that's what you know somebody was playing on that might that because whether you like it or not um, we spoke about it uh, you know two episodes ago, ago there's clearly you know some level of uh, this thing even though yes we could talk about how even the Igbos don't didn't vote for the Igbos in the conventions and so on and so forth um, there's clearly a certain level of um, um, conspiration to prevent an Igbo president. So a Kwan Koso might be looking at it from that perspective, that if he does that, his his, his path to the presidency is a lot harder. So it would be to convince him that um, taking that path doesn't diminish him. It mm-hmm. creates a new way, yeah. which might be something that Peter Peter and his people around him haven't been able to do because, and I'm saying it's not not to diminish the argument that Kaso might feel like he's more superior or not, more superior or not. You are not going to supersede Atiku. Mm-hmm. You're not. Yeah, it's very. There's little to no chance of you beating Atiku in the presidential elections. I don't even think you'd beat sinubu and if you don't beat Tinubu in the north, I don't, you know, but Atiku, I could categorically sit down and tell you, Kwan Koso is not going to beat Atiku in the north. Mm-hmm. So that would mean that if an Atiku wins, you're waiting for eight years to get your shot. Mm-hmm. You would be better off on a ticket long-term. Obviously, he might not be thinking this way. You'd be better off on a ticket long-term where you sit you sit back. um, You can extract your concessions like Atiku and the PDM movement. So those that don't know the PDM movement, what it was the movement um headed by Yeraduaz, Yaradu- 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 no. uh that not uh show Sho yeah. Yaradu- this thing that were very vocal and were very um um active in putting people in certain places and they were very active in truncating even and and they might argue differently the Abiola Presidency, because they had wanted Atiko at that time Mm -hmm. to be the vice presidential uh, nominee. And that was because, even though Atiko wasn't a senior member of the PDM movement at that time, Babangida, who had proclaimed himself president from the first day he seized power, Mm -hmm. had banned a whole bunch of political office holders, and the majority of these guys were in the PDM. So the most trustworthy person and to some degree senior person that could as, could ascend the vice presidential role back in 1992 was Atiku. And they had wanted Atiku. bangida himself had wanted Pascal bayafu from all accounts. If I didn't pronounce his name well, I do that a lot with names. It's not intentional. Pascal Baiafu was NLC president at that point in time. Bangida wanted a Northern Christian, and he felt that Pascal Baiafu had the clout. Atiku, uh, as uh, this thing obviously pushed both of them aside. But anyway, Atiku is a, a man who has played the long game for a very long time. Yeah. So. um.
0: you want to pause for a minute? Pause for a minute. All right.
1: Yes. So, um, so, so. Anyway, that that is the. That's another angle to look at it from. Um, what happens or doesn't happen? I don't know. I don't. I think a lot of people are wanting to pinch themselves in the morning that Peter is a bad dream. And they're going to become, And I see that some people like, oh, I believe in TTLB, yeah. but, you know, yes. or.
0: No, so, you know. so, you know, so another um, reaction that I received um, this from somebody who is very close to the Tinubu campaign uh, is that um, the, the team, the Tinubu, Team Tinubu, uh, was putting together, uh, this guy claims, Uh, a devastating um, sort of montage of uh, contradictions um, and um, false claims by Peter Obi and so on. So this person says uh, that this will soon be rolled out by the Tinubu campaign. So so two issues here, right? Um, One is um, and you know, this person was talking about um, um, the old question about Peter Ubi saying he owned only one wristwatch, and you know, so then a bunch of pictures, you know, surfaced showing that he had um, was at least he was photographed wearing different wristwatches and so on. Um, and then there was the the issue when he was governor when. Uh, a vehicle that came from Anambra State was stopped in Lagos and apparently it had some money. And uh, so the question was uh, whether the money was being, was Obi's money being transported or whether as Obi and his spokespeople said, argued at the time, that this was money that belonged to a contractor who had done a business in Anambra State. And, you know, I mean... Um, i think that um the efcc the police the uh, anambra state assembly looked into the matter uh at that time and uh, proposed that uh they believed uh, obis be account so for whatever is what, um but there are some people who for whom the, the doubt continues to linger that this was um uh, obi you know, funneling state funds into his own private funds, into his own private pockets, and so on. But at any rate, um, apparently, uh, Obi has got the attention of both the Atiku and the Tinubu campaigns, and uh, they are, you know, I Getting mean you you can to, you can
1: see from there because um, um one of the jobs I've done or uh, kind of still doing transitioning to doing more um this thing now you you know research academic roles well academic work rather um you can see from the media uh this thing, if you've paid attention you can see an article coming out with somewhat of a positive message if you paid attention you could see the same thing with Tinubu coming out with somewhat of a positive message. And if you know anything about these these men and their campaigns, they're very reliant on American um, campaigning. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, give or take American campaigning, you could do the comparison, tends to be what people look at and um, enjoy the production value. Mm -hmm. I don't think it has a good outcome. Because it's gotten worse, it's gotten what it's become what it is in the last 30, 40 years. Prior to that, America was certainly a much more functional place. Um, but they are they are more fan, they are fans of the American campaign in this thing. Um, they they're coming out with positive messages, and they're going to have attack dogs. And I've seen some of them in different places, even in some groups I belong to. Um, what you know, chat groups, WhatsApp. You, you see people. Um, coming in and propagates fairly with the people. They are, they are more adept to this thing. I think with the Atiku people, they're they are going to try and go on a blaze, a print blaze. So, what the Atiku people are doing is if you go to the northern candidates, whether it's Adamawa or wherever, they're campaigning alongside Atiku. The PDP candidates, whether it's Adamawa, uh, this thing, they are campaigning alongside Atiku. They are putting their media blitz um, in. Um, 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 more. I, I, I what's the term? I was. I don't call it primitive. No, it's not primitive. But they are trying to put their middle blitz in in places where their audience mm-hmm. goes to for their information. Yeah, it's not even necessarily like print newspaper. And people will say, like, what well, was print newspaper? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe in the days of new Nigerian. Um, there is no longer a purely northern print uh, that I know of. So there's more of local print newspapers that are going into that blaze. Well, there is uh, Daily Trust, and
0: um, and uh, I don't know if leadership still publishes. Um, but they are more, I, I you know, at least they aspire to a more national outlook, but with a northern accent.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they are there, but that's where they are going to. But they're not that... Um, that's not the effect they want because, short of like a new Nigerian that had sort of an an, an effect, uh, because it was actually owned by Northern Nigerian government at the time, um, those kind of publications or a um, which one would I even use? But you know you, you short of those kind of things, um, it's not that. But you have local, uh, I think it's called, it's pronounced ulmanaks, you know, religious leaders who print things, who talk, who preach, who do, you know, so on and so forth. They are going to people like that to disseminate to their followers. And their followers, like in the case of the um, uh, courageous lady who was murdered, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they go into this, they create WhatsApp groups or Facebook groups and promulgate... And those are very effective. In fact, back 15, 18, 20 years ago, funny enough, people don't tend to realize these things. I think people should do more research. Yahoo groups, they used to have Yahoo groups where you could blog and put things inside. They were very um, popular in Northern Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Very popular. Um, People don't tend to understand the effects of these things. So the Tinnabu's are going more in that direction. These things are going more. And yes, it might be a, a, a production of friendships, so sad to say, but it's true. No matter how integrated you are in Nigeria, like somebody like myself who has been to, uh, who had I'd been to every state in Nigeria and if F Federal Capital Territory before. I, if I'm not wrong, before I turned sixteen or seventeen, um, and I went to one of those so-called unity schools as well, you would find still that if you go on social media or this thing, most Northerners are friends with Northerners Mm. and most Southerners are friends with Southerners. You would see Igbos and Yorubas, for instance, mixing as friends Um, and then you might see maybe a Nupi person there but generally you'd see like most Northerners, like the serious, you know, uh, friends with Northern. Nowadays you see a breakage of it. So what you would call like Plato, Niger, Niger, sorry, Niger States, those places are, are are broken away more or less. Tarabas are beginning to associate more mm-hmm. in southern groups. So you go to southern groups now, but I'm telling you, 10 years ago, you'd go there, it was a very pronounceable separation between yeah. these things. It's not government-made or this thing. It was, you know, so you you have the effect of these campaigns campaigning in different ways um, and they're coming out first with positive messages. Coming out, and article is coming out with positive messages but you can clearly see the makings of a campaign blitz. Yeah. They're coming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so very interesting uh, responses uh, to the podcast on Peter O'B. Uh, I think that this would be um, maybe the right juncture to to look at um, some troubles, you know, uh, so to speak, in uh, the campaigns uh, both of uh, Atiku and Tinubu and specifically in Artiku's case, um, there is um, some a growing disquiet uh, in part, in uh, sectors of the party that he uh, chose uh, Governor Kowa of uh, Delta State as his uh, vice presidential candidate instead of the man uh, who came second uh, in the PDP. Uh, primary uh, Governor uh, Nyesom weekend. Nyesum, right. So um, I know that um, Governor Autumn of Benue State had uh, issued, you know, did an interview where he basically said that Artiku uh, should explain his choice uh, to the party because, uh, according to him, 14 out of 17 uh, members of a committee that uh, looked into the issue of who should be Atiku's running mate had recommended uh, wiki And so so on the one hand, this is the way I look at it. On the one hand, um, uh, Atiku's choice could speak to a political strength Uh, because I always respect political leaders who... um, Looking at a, comi- a committee's recommendation would have the spine to say, okay, you've recommended, but I disagree, so I'm going in a different direction. For me, that willingness, that ability to strike off on a different course speaks to a quality of leadership. I'm not accusing Articu of being a leader, <laughs> uh, but, but I'm saying that is the sort of thing that. Um, um, on principle impresses me, you know, because it's easy to go with uh, recommendation of a committee um, that that looks at a particular issue. So that's one. The other thing is um, that Artiku who ran the last time around with P2B and therefore who uh, doesn't have P2B this time around, that Artiku, may well uh, f- be responding in his choice to the fact that Wike has consistently, even though Wike is clearly uh, a, a, a corruption of an Igbo name. You know? <laughs> corruption. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. you see that? Yeah. Um, but Wike has you know, made a point of denying uh, Igbo ethnicity, uh, his Igbo roots. And perhaps Atiku feels that his track to victory must lies in uh, winning most of the north and then making uh, inroads into the southeast. And so in choosing Okowa, if I knew Okowa, he chooses somebody who has not been on record denying his Igbo ethnicity. So he can say, I've adopted somebody from the Southeast, an Igbo person as... And in a lot of ways, it could be a politically savvy choice, okay? Um, because he chooses somebody who he can sell as Igbo, and who has not denied his Igbo-ness, but also who is part of what you call the Niger Delta or... What they call in Nigeria, tautologically, south south is the most crazy and absurd phraseology. There's nothing called south south, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but so so it's actually southeast, you know. That um, this is being called south south in in, in the country, um, And Nigeria is the only place where there's nothing called east east, west <laughs> west, north <laughs> north, you know. So south south is. Is is, is 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 crazy? You know, it's only in Nigeria. Yeah, you are, they are south of south. You know. <laughs> you know, so 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 here I think that uh, yeah, that Artiku perhaps uh, is holding on to Akawa. Whether you know, I mean, he he says that um, Artiku has said in response to all of this that um, you know he believes that the party will. Come together and coalesce and uh, enter the um, race in 2023 as one united front. Um, that remains to be seen. You know, I mean, I know that. You know, who knows where some of the other political actors, but in Delta State directly as well as in the larger Niger Delta, would fall.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're yeah, completely. Uh, I think you're yeah, completely. It's a it's completely on point. I think there's that calculation there for sure. Um, I think for 100%, Atiku has always run with Igbo candidates, has always had an affinity with the South Igbo people. Um, whether they choose to be Igbo, like I was talking to a friend of mine who is a reverend sister, whose name is Obi, and she's from Cross River State. And I was <laughs> I was telling her, like, look, man. Um I'm not just saying... I actually have history degree, but anyway, look, I'm telling you how, like, look, um, you are Igbo, and your are Igbo distant of not being Igbo. Um, you know, your Igbo distant comes from, largely from the Civil War, mm. and there's there's also the other side of the argument, I was listening to the other day, people were saying there was no Igbo states prior to the coming of the British, deal, which is true. You come in, Townsend, Townsend comes in and formulates the name Igbo formulates the name um, Yoruba there were, it, it, it is true that there's no this thing but in terms of what it is to be Igbo in fact this is probably Igbo E-B- mm-hmm. you know um, but largely you understood who, who you were and what you were and by the time Nigeria coalesced you understood you were Igbo whether you were in Cross River whether you were in Benway whether you were in this thing but you have a lot of people now who sit down and deny their, their you know or they don't know; they've been educated to deny they are being Igbo from the civil war, largely because you know, people like Wiki are children of civil war survivors. Um, and you can go back and look at it. Anybody that's doubting, go back and look at River State. How lot of the names were changed, the Rs were removed, and all those kind of things to remove the evilness Put out, you know, this is not distinct. So that, there's that distance there, and. A lot of Igbo people, typical, people that know their Igbos, um, the Igbos in Delta. Mm-hmm. Some people like to use the term Delta Igbos. I personally find it kind of um, um, A bit dismissive. Yeah. I yeah. find yeah. it it's dismissive.
0: Like your, your Iboness is contingent. It, <laughs> yeah. It's not replete. It's not complete. Exactly. So it's sort of...
1: I find it extremely yeah. dif- d- dismissive. Um, there are Igbos all over the place. Rivers, Delta, Kogi, they're all Igbos. Some of them denied, and that's fine. Um, nobody, can for, I can, nobody can force you to be evil. Um, but it doesn't matter how much you jump on the roof at night, what you are, you still what you, I can wake up on the roof and jump and say, my father is not my father. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't change who my father is. I can be like, you know, I'm, oh, by the way, I'm, my father is my hero. But just as an example, I could be like, well, my father um, is just my biological father you know, it, it changes nothing. <laughs> it changes 0. 0.0, but it's neither here nor there. I'm pointing all this out because you also have the other side of the debate where a lot of Igbos are like, they suffered from the Civil War for so many things. Um, in some cases, people point to Igbos being perpetrators in the Civil War in certain aspects, and that's fine. Um, if you're accurate, you has some accurate descriptions of perpetration, but nothing compared to what was what was, what was was melted out to the Igbos. But, that's a conversation people like to have um and then if you if you go back in and sorry um if you go in and you you take a look at um, um you take a look at it um a lot of the Igbos down on the other side one of the most um demeaning things politically is to deny your eness mm. um you'd see a, a um Wike would tell you his village as compared to in Otomi Ameche's village, Otomi is Igbo. His village is Igbo, but he's not Igbo. I've I've heard this. Example. I I, I listen to these things and I laugh. There was a guy that does some YouTube videos in, in, I think, in Connecticut now. He said that then one day, and I just, and he's even Delta, actually. Delta State, I think, if I'm not wrong, or I can't remember where he's from, mm. but because he grew up in Ajegunle and he spoke Yoruba first, he felt like, you know, whatever. So people take it seriously. Um, it it's a big factor and and all this is just to say it's a big factor in people's minds and it's a big factor. You're not you're not going to come in and say you're not Igbo and be highly successful in Igbo land. You could buy votes and get some votes in a convention, but in a real elections, even with serious rigging, which there will be. I, I don't I fail to see how you'll be successful. That's one way to look at it. Um another way to look at it obviously is that Atiko was always anonymous love Igbo technocrats as a concha wala Obi Ekwesili, um I think even Chidoka, I think, mm-hmm. was supposed yeah, to have yeah, him yeah. brought. So so, so yeah, the list is endless. He's always um he's always admired the qualities of Igbo people. You could say that he feels like okay, he needs an Igbo person to be successful. He wants to the the man doesn't even live in Nigeria. He lives in Dubai, literally. He comes into Nigeria every once, you know, every once in a while. From every account I know of, I don't know of Atiku living in Nigeria anymore. He lives in Dubai. Um Prove me wrong if you want, but I'm waiting for it. You know, so, you know, he, he he feels he values that kind of distance, and And that's a choice. And you have people complaining and this, and I feel like the complaint, sorry for the long distance to the evilness, because that always touches home for me in some way, shape or form. But, I feel like a lot of people, their complaints is the amount of money they stole from their government positions to spend in trying to get the nominations to steal more money, which is something we've talked about. And now they didn't get it. And now they didn't get an influence over it. And now they got an Okoa, who wasn't... Okoa wasn't even in the mix.
0: But I understand, by the way. You know, again, I understand that Okoa spent... Quite a bit of money that he donated a, a lot of money to um, to some groups uh, within the PDP to influence. Because I heard before he was chosen that he had given a lot of money, and you know, I don't I don't like to um, to state figures that I'm not sure of, but you know, the person that who spoke to me. Uh, named a certain figure that he gave, and I was scandalized because I said, clearly, if it is true, this man doesn't have that money, Uh, so this is state funds that are being spent, the funds that belong to the people of his home state. Uh, Just like Wike, we know that Wike spent uh, a ton of cash, you know, trying to win the PDP nomination. I don't know that Wike is a, a ninja delta dangote. <laughs> I I don't know that, I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that before he became, he went into politics and was a minister and ultimately a governor, that, you know, that he was a big businessman, and entrepreneur. So when somebody whose most visible position is that of being a governor, is spending so much money uh, on delegates, bribing delegates in order to win his party's nomination. We have to... Uh, I mean, these things have to stop, ultimately. And I think that that's part of why the OB phenomenon is exciting Nigerians, because Obi is the only person out there running who didn't have to go to a primary and distribute money to buy votes, okay? He could have run in the PDP primary. He resigned from the party days before the, uh, before the event and basically took up an invitation from Labour Party to come and become their candidate. The other thing about uh, WIKE is that um, I saw, I've seen various videos where WIKE states clearly, unequivocally, that he has no intention of being vice president. Um, so, Wike is, um, uh, has sort of the same issue that the Juan Guazzo-Pito B combination would uh, uh, sort of bring bring up. Mm-hmm. The fact that he is a very brash uh, loquacious <laughs> um self-aggrandizing person with an inflated sense of his own mental and political capacities okay mm-hmm. so that a um, week as vice president is bound to be a disaster because he's going to constantly try to upstage the president. And I think that um, somebody like Atiku who has, uh, was able to jostle with Abbas who is one of the roughest politicians around, um, is not going to mesh well <laughs> with Wike uh, as his vice presidential candidate. I, I think that it's going to be a situation where Atiku is saying one thing, Wike contradicts him and Wike might claim that his own position is the is
1: is is the the party position. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think that's definitely a scenario that would happen. Um for sure. Um, you know, that's definitely what they, I, mean, I mean. you could just see that happening. Um you know, you could see that happening. We could, uh, yeah. yeah. So I mean this is a this this should be a segue yeah. to um
0: Yeah, you know, uh, Tinubu <laughs> and his again, certificate. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) wars in a lot of ways in my mind uh, it's I know that I use the word tragedy I use the word disaster I use the word absurdity when I talk about Nigerian politics uh, because these words are for me inescapable Um, it seems to me that almost by default, that Nigeria seeks to choose its leaders from a collection of men who can't tell a straight story about where they went to school, when they went to school, even can't tell a, a straight story about their name itself, can't tell a straight story about their hometown, where they are from, who their parents were, and so on. And then also men who seem broken either physically in terms of their health or mentally and morally, you know. So you just look at it. You look at the collection of men that we've had running the country or misrunning Nigeria. You know, a passenger when your own son accuses you of sleeping with his wife. You know, <laughs> can't. I mean, you can get worse in terms of moral uh, Decadence, pollution, yeah. right? You can get worse than that. Um, and, and in fact, the way I look at it is, even if he didn't sleep with his son's wife, the fact that he will raise a son who is capable of falsely accusing him, says something about it. <laughs> you know, so, you know. So let's say that, no, he didn't do that. But, but that you have a son, and then his daughter wrote that famous letter where she basically almost divorces her father and renounces him and says, you know, I have nothing to do with you. And this is a man whose wife, uh, fa- uh, his first wife wrote, uh, a memoir where she accused him of beating her up, including when she was pregnant and chasing her down down the street. Yep. To say so, how does a man like that become president? And then he finishes and he hands over to a, a, a Yaradua, you know, Maru Musa Yaradua, uh, a man who was clearly sick. So that the passenger had to ask him that famous question, Umaru, are you dead? <laughs> you <know? laughs> you know? Oh, um, man. And then you go from there to a Jonathan, um, a man who appears to be on some levels a gentleman, but too much of a gentleman that he couldn't even, <laughs> uh, you know, put his cabinet and his wife, um, mm. you know, where they needed to be, you know. Who invited all kinds of problems to himself, and half the time didn't seem to have full control of his government. He didn't seem to have full control and, of anything. And then we went from him to Buhari, a man who spent much of his first time in office in hospitals abroad. <laughs> you know, as if hospitals. You know, he he was elected to be the president of a hospital ward. (laughs) And so we're going from him to a Tinubu who clearly cannot climb or descend steps without somebody holding his hands. Mm -hmm. A man who is clearly in poor health and then a man who can't tell you where he went to elementary school (laughs) and secondary school and whose name and we're not even sure that we you know that that this is this is his name. You know? I mean how how do how do we do this and expect that we'll have a country other than the one that is so messed up that we have.
1: I mean I don't know. I mean if you said if you go even beyond that there has never been a a person in power in Nigeria that had Antecedents people want to say Zeke. Oh, we knew Zeke's father was a district officer. Zeke ended up not having whatever we want to argue about how it came about whether he and my Walla should have formed an alliance. It's look, Zeke ended up not having power. Let's just call it what it is, and you know, that's a fact. Yeah, ceremonial president cool. Um, governor general, ceremonial president. Amad Bello is a man who literally. They did even, they couldn't, I mean, his last name is from his local government. Balewa local government. This is a man who was sent on a teacher's training college to London to study. Um, Wrote letters to the governor general begging to be released from his political office as prime minister. Begging. This is facts. Go read the letters. This man is like, literally stating from a father to his son, please, I want to go back to Bauchi. I do not like, 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 and that's
0: that's actually. First of all, let's let's give credit, right? Because I want to give credit. Mm. I respect such a man. Oh. I respect. No, no, no. I, I mean it. For example, I, I have I have absolutely no intentions, no ambitions in politics. My all my ambitions are to be a writer, and to be a teacher. Okay. So if somebody said to me tomorrow, uh, don't mind, just go to sleep, we're going to make you president of Nigeria or even president of my street, I would say, please take it. I don't want it. Do you understand? So when a man feels, I don't have what it takes, I don't have the temperament, I don't have the gifts, I don't have the guile to be a prime minister, and he writes and begs, the tragedy is, is that there were people who, in a sense, put him there, which yep. is the tragedy of Nigeria. Yep. Because a lot of people come to office and you say, uh, what, or they are seeking a political office and you say, why are you looking to be governor, local government, chairman, president? And they say, my people ask me to go and represent them. <laughs> and I say, listen, if you don't feel a fire within mm-hmm. to go and offer service in this political role, and you are snoozing, and your people come and wake you up and say, we want you to gather, you are not the right person for the job, okay? Part of wanting political power, and that's, you know, that's also why, but it, it's not enough to want it. You have to want power because you have some solid idea, Mm-hmm. about how to transform your society. Good or bad? So, so you know, so somebody could say, okay, Tinbu says it's his turn. <laughs> but to say it's your turn to do what exactly? <laughs> so it was your turn, quote unquote, to be governor of Lagos State. What exactly did you do as governor?
1: He claims every he, development of Lagos State was, his, was due his to doing, his... His doing. Okay. So you, you left gov-
0: the governor's mansion and then you began to, as it were, orchestrate every subsequent successor, okay? And those that question the amount of money you are taking from the state, you make sure that they had only one term or that he had only one term, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So Tinubu is all about you go around Lagos and you see prized real estate, and it's Tinubu, mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So um, the um, they, uh, toll tollgate is Tinubu's company. The collection of internally generated revenue in Lagos State, Tinubu has a hand in it. So you, it's easy to orchestrate all of these uh, ways of feeding from the public, from the treasury. Yeah. Okay. So when Tinubu says to me, it's my turn to be president, it's not the same thing as somebody who says, I have sat down and done some homework. I want to take Nigeria. It's like what the uh, M.I. of Dubai said yeah. in that interview, which I've referenced so many times. that this man sat down one day and said, I want to make Dubai the best and when the reporter from 60 Minutes, the CBS program, asked him, what do you mean by the best? He said, I wanted Dubai to have the best in healthcare, the best in education, the best in high finance, uh, the best in everything. And this man set out, gathered the right people around him, and methodically transformed this country into one of the most desirable destinations Especially for Nigerians. Yep. Nigerian uh, Nigerians who <coughs> rent their own country and take their resources to Dubai. Mm-hmm. So, so what exactly? You'd expect that when Tinubu says, it's my turn, that Tinubu then says, it's my turn because I have this A, B, C, D steps that I want to take to turn Nigeria into one of the best countries in Africa in terms of Power generation in in terms of productive capacity in terms of uh, quality of life for citizens in terms of tourism and so on and so forth, but it's just his turn to go <laughs> to go make more money, which the man given his poor health may not be here you know may not have enough years to enjoy
1: and it's it's not like you know one is trying to engage in any level of ageism or anything no. Look this guy, this is a man who you know I've, I said in the last episode you don't we don't know his name. Um, we can we can't categorically state that his name is accurate. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't categorically state his credentials. And it's not even to say he, he did or did not go to college. Your only qualification that you need. Is is school certificate, yeah, this thing, right? Yeah. Which, by the way, we can't even verify by own either. But you know, <laughs> <start> <laughs> yeah. at this point in time, yeah. Um, but it's it's you can't even verify that. And people say, well, he's hiding it because he doesn't want you to know his real name. Mm-hmm. W- what is it about these people? Whether it's yeah, uh, Abadu Bello, even to some degree, Haggai Ransy was an artist. He knew where kind of like knew where he was from, and he got killed quickly. Go on. Um, to some degree, but largely it takes off once Gowan is taken out of power or Basinger comes in the first time. So tomorrow there's still a lot of credible allegations that Basinger's father is an evil man that was a police officer existed, Um which I don't know if it's true or not, but it's like... Wait, 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 <laughs> you know. I don't... Okay. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 tell, I tell you something. I tell you something.
0: Yeah, there's there's this joke that um, a friend of mine, Yoruba friend of mine, cracked sometime. You know, so as you know, I'm not interested in the ethnicity of any leader. But but one day I was joking with um, this Yoruba guy. I said, you know, you guys have had your turn. A has been president. We want an Igbo president. The guy said, uh, that was your turn. <laughs> his, his papa was Igbo. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 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 that was that was uh, yeah. so, so I told him, yeah, you know, he was a disastrous president, so he should belong to me, huh? <laughs> I said, no, you, you keep
1: him. It, the Eurobats don't no claim him. I mean, even in his first time he didn't win, second time, he barely won. Um and even the winning was largely on some very questionable yeah. activities, assas- well, assassinations. I mean, Bola got assassinated by whom You know, nobody has been brought to court for it. Um, But, you know, very questionable activities happened. So you have a guy like Obasanjo the first time. Um, Very same thing with, hands over to the Shagari, who is another guy who is from a place in Sokoto, you know. Yeah, people are okay with him being full on you, but you don't really know so much about him. He's supposed to be a teacher, you know, takes over with Buhari, You kind of know a little bit about Buhari, but for the most part, it's still very sketchy. Um, Even till now, he somehow, someway joined the military without his school cert. He can't produce it. He produced his senior course he went to in Pennsylvania. Cool. Um, But you can't produce, you know, like it's, it's not to engage in ageism or intellectualism of some sort. But it's like, it's just to point out that you can't even, we can't, even if these guys, let's assume they have it, so why are you hiding it? <laughs> why are you yeah, hiding so it? So
0: you see that the the uh, quality of the uh, certificate is is appalling. You know, maybe they failed too many courses, so they don't want to <laughs> expose that, or simply that they made false claims. It's possible they made false claims in terms of their names, in terms of. Where they attended school and so on, and you know, but the judge has constantly questioned Tinubu's uh, bona fides, you know, yeah. uh, in that way, and he says Tinibu cannot properly say who he is. So my question is, if somebody. Because Tinubu, of course, knows who he is, I hope. I began to say Tinubu knows who he is, but I, who knows? Yeah. Maybe he doesn't know. And if somebody doesn't know who he is, then do Nigerians want somebody who is strange even to himself to govern them? If he knows who he is, but is not proud enough is not confident enough to announce himself in his full splendor and integrity as who he is, then why are we entrusting, considering this prospect of entrusting the leadership of our country to a man
1: who cannot
0: tell you who he is? It, you know? It's
1: it's amazing. It, and it's just it, a it, continuous... Um, Atsiku is similar. Mm -hmm. A lot of, like, Shigari, like, it's kind of from here. But you don't don't really know. All you know is that he was adopted by the um, emirates that was created in Adamawa. Because Adamawa is largely, like, the Modibos, all these people are largely Christian. They were not entirely conquered by the Fulani Empire. Neither were they really conquered by the and Boromnu Empire either. So the two competing empires, which neither of which... Conquered the other. But the British made sure, and this is factual, made sure that those parts of northern Nigeria are brought under the Fulani Empire, the caliphate. Mm-hmm. If you go back and check it, and it's not even me check. I mean, simple fact why is the leader of the Muslims in Biston, in Sultan Sokoto? Makes no sense. You could go, you know, ask that question. Um, but, you know, he, he's brought under this emirate that was created in old Gongola states and becomes the ward of um, the Labido. You know, and that's how he rises. But his history is sketchy as well, largely. Um, these guys are all really sketchy. Bangida is another, you know, supposedly an orphan. Um, <laughs> he has a sister, supposedly. Mm. Uh, the only reality is that we know who Abus Salam kind of was, slightly not as sketchy as the others. And Bangida g- apparently spent time growing up in Abdul Salam's house. But who Babangida is... As a person, is slightly sketchy. It's just what well, this guy is, is an orphan. That's why we don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like always somebody, some man, you know, some person. This that doesn't that is sketchy. We mm-hmm. <laughs> don't know what this person yeah, came yeah, from. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So
0: you know, um, and then. Um, I think we're having too much fun <laughs> <laughs> uh, with this podcast today. Um, but let's briefly, briefly touch on the recent resignation of the Chief Justice of, of Nigeria, uh, Tanko Mohammed. Um I remember that his appointment was shrouded in controversy. Uh, people questioned his qualifications, and by the way, there are lots and lots of uh, legal minds uh, from the northern part of our country who are distinguished as, as lawyers and as, as judges and so on. But um, this man was enthroned by uh, Buhari, and there were all kinds of questions. And then recently, his uh, brother judges Uh, justices of the same Supreme Court wrote a petition. It's almost unprecedented in the history of our country and I think in the history of any country. Maybe a similar thing I think I remember happened uh, in Pakistan or something where some justices wrote a petition. Um, but, But this man was accused by other justices of corruption, of maladministration, of uh, an absence of transparency in the way he managed the budget and so on and so forth. And in his response released by his um, um, spokesperson shortly before he resigned, uh, a response that was embarrassing in its grammatical errors (laughs) Um, he accused his um, uh, colleagues of dancing naked. you know, so of course, you know, it's like they they uh, we are dealing with a public petition from uh, fellow justices of the Supreme Court of Nigeria, accusing their Hwi now at uh, former uh, Chief Justice, uh, Tanko Mohammed of uh, corruption, of uh, lack of accountability, transparency, and uh, so on and so forth, basically saying that he wasn't paying their allowances and um, that they were in the dark um, regarding the disbursement of funds that uh, should go to the running of of the court. And... um, the man's the man spokesperson released a statement on his behalf, which was embarrassing <laughs> for just the grammatical errors in that statement. It was so illiterate, um, uh, and Jejun, uh, illiterate in the quality of the language, Jejun in the quality of the argumentation, um, where he accused his accusers of dancing, in, dancing naked, which in Nigeria, of course, means that they are crazy. you know, you, you, They're mad, <laughs> as they say. And um, and uh, a major lawyer in Nigeria, Femi Falana, in in his response said, well, yeah, that his accusers danced naked in the way that they, uh, the unprecedented way in which they presented their uh, grouse, but also accused the chief justice, now disgraced, uh, resigned chief justice of also dancing naked, so maybe he's the chief choreographer <laughs> of this uh, thing. But you know, I mean, it's not it's not an issue to tackle today because um, we I think we've had a, a good run of so many issues, so it's something that perhaps yeah we'll bring it up cycle back to yeah. Uh, but yeah. clearly, the Nigerian judiciary has been. Um, has been embattled for decades now, uh, with the questionable quality of appointments uh, into uh nominations and ultimate um, uh, appointments into the judicial uh, into in, in, into the judiciary, uh, with allegations of judges, you know, basically delivering judgment to the highest bidder and so on, and so to find that this rot has got to the very apex of the Nigerian judiciary It was quite dispiriting for me I don't know how you
1: um I I think I don't know if you watched his um nomination hearings um if you did and if you kind of like got a glimpse of it at that time for me I tuned out after that um I mean this man I mean (laughs) just thinking of it alone gets me laughing um this guy came up and said that, um, that, um, his words were that, um, the Nigerian judges have engaged in technicalities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to play uh, an excerpt of the actual proceedings, uh, the audio and the video, um, you could get, you could download the full episode, but here's an excerpt for this episode of the podcast.
2: By distinguished senator Barry the sentence on the technicalities and uh, perhaps the difficulties we are facing in. Technicalities. Permit me, distinguished President and the Senators, to see that what is a technicality? Something which is technical, in my definition, it is something that is not usual, that may sometimes defy all the norms known to a normal thing, it may be technical. Now, we have technicalities in our laws. And this is because these laws that we have inherited, we inherited them from the British. And the British people have, for quite centuries ago, introduced what is known as technicalities in their laws. Now, if something is technical, it is in a way given a leeway for double interpretation. It may be interpreted this way by Mr. A, or it may be interpreted this way by Mr. B. Now, if something is technical, comes before the law or before the courts, what we normally do at the trial court is we ask people who are expert in that field, To come and testify. We rely on their testimony because they are experts in that field. Ask me anything on aeroplane, I don't know. Ask me to drive an aeroplane, I am sure if you are a passenger and they told you that that flight is going to be driven by Honourable Justice Ibrahim Tanko, I am sure I will get out of the play. Because it is something that requires technicality. And if I have any technicality, my technicality will only be limited to law. Apologies. I
1: mean, it, it, it was like, um um is this comedy skits, or, like, you know, because Nigerian comedy skit makers are so prolific, like, they really are carrying the country, so what what I watched back then, and I I was watching it recently, again, as he resigned, I'm like, was this, like, it was, They said, but you know, it has to be uh, more reasoned and emotional, and whatever, I'm like, once he started I was like, look, And then the credentials to start with. um, Again, it's not a, look, I don't want to engage in any kind of um, um, elitism. You know, it's not, it's like, so the guy that had, just like you said, first things first, before I even go into that, just like you said, there are a lot of actual um, decent lawyers Legal
0: luminaries
1: from all over the country yeah with yeah. decent careers body of work that you could pick if you want somebody from your possibly even from Boris Katsina you would find somebody you know but he wanted this guy who um his, his undergraduate law degree was in Sharia law mm-hmm. um first time in Nigerian history but what's Nigeria really at the end of the day you do whatever you want um how this guy went to law school with Sharia law, I don't know. It's even weird to hear somebody schools allowed to issue that, and the Nigerian um uh, this thing made uh, to accept an LLB Sharia law. Um, I mean, I would argue you should have an LLB canon, canon law mm-hmm. or an NL LLB or law of Ibola uh, law. Something that we're going down this route. but you know, it, it, you know. Whatever you put this guy in this thing, and it's a guy that couldn't, that couldn't and wouldn't um, get a decent job anywhere else. Wouldn't you put this guy there and all that? And I was even surprised that somehow, someway he resigned. I don't like to me. I was what shocked me is that the guy resigned. Like wow, really? Which (laughs) also
0: shocked me because Nigeria is a place where people will do things that are manifestly illegal even criminal and just you know just sit tight
1: i think there's more to the story because yeah. I, I know so some people I, will look I, at it in a way i always, think there's
0: more to the story i actually think that it must have come from political forces that compelled him to resign i don't think that um i don't think he would have resigned if he felt that he could muster the political support. So he must have lost it for some reason, for one reason or another, and decided that um, yeah, yeah, it was time to throw in the towel. I think he was but, forced to. But the question then is, for me, always is, if the Chief Justice of Nigeria is corrupt, as his brother justices alleged, if... He's engaged in provably corrupt acts. It's not enough that he has stepped aside. He, above all, needs to be prosecuted. Because when poor Nigerians, the people who are called the ordinary Nigerian, when the poor Nigerian commits a crime or is accused of a crime, they don't have that luxury of just resigning and moving on. A lot of them, I, I think in most cases, they are prosecuted, even punished without proper prosecution, without having the opportunity to prove their innocence in court. So I would say that uh, a challenge, a primary challenge for the judiciary in Nigeria today is to have Tanko Mohammed properly investigated and prosecuted if indeed he committed crimes.
2: Yeah, I,
1: I, I mean, I agree. I know you it's not do. going to happen. Okay. I agree. We don't say things that are going to happen. We say things <laughs> so, that should happen. Yeah, it should happen. I mean, and I mean, for I, I feel like for the judiciary officer and I could go run down the list, um, but today we're talking about Tanko, and a well, won't even call the police. is just like wishful thinking at this point yeah, in time. But yeah. a judiciary officer um, like that, I, 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 the moment Buhari appointed that guy, I just, I don't know, I just, I feel not just, I, I'm, I'm, I might take it a little bit farther than you. I feel not just that he should be prosecuted, I think even Buhari should be whoever should be investigated for appointing somebody like that. But you know, it's not Nigeria country at the end of the
0: day. And you know, I mean, why did the Senate approve him? You know. So there are all kinds of things. You know, Nigeria can't be a serious country, you know. And again, I want to make the point that there are people who are qualified and talented from every part of the country. I don't subscribe to this. Uh, xenophobia of uh, that some areas of the country um, lack talent. Every part of Nigeria has much of the talent that you need, stellar talent to run the country. But it's as if we go again and again to choose the least qualified. And so the point that we have to make um, is Let's start choosing the right people. And I think that it's been a great day. And uh, thank you very much for joining our podcast. Yeah, thank (laughs) you.